Hey, hey everybody. everybody. No, I, sorry. I thought I was going to say it. No, I'll start. Yeah, you go ahead. Hey, it's Chris McCaleb. And me, Mike Behrman Trout. We just want to give you a quick update about the podcasts because we've seen some questions. All the podcasts this season were recorded well in advance. That's right. In fact, our last day of recording was February 2nd. Exactly. So you won't hear us talking about anything that's been going on in the world lately. We've all been safe and socially distant, and our hearts absolutely go out to everyone who's been affected by this. If you're looking for some way to help, there are a lot of great charities out there all over the world. I wanted to highlight two of them that Mike and I have donated to. Uh, one is No Kid Hungry. They're making sure that the 22 million low-income kids in the United States uh, who depend on free and reduced-price meals that they usually get at school are fed while the schools are closed. Uh, as well as Feeding America, which is a nationwide network of over 200 local food banks. We're all about making sure people get enough to eat. I have definitely been eating my feelings lately. Whew, you and me both, buddy. Anyway, we hope everybody's staying safe and healthy out there. And as always, thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoy the podcast. All right. Roll that intro. Welcome back to the Better Call Saul Insider Podcast. We're about to talk about episode 508, which as of right now is called Bagman. Ooh, Bagman. Bagman. I wonder how that, that title, how does that title come about? That'll be interesting. Uh, I'm uh, I'm your erstwhile co-host, Chris McCaleb, uh, one of the editors on the show. And I'm also here with the uh, erstwhiliest co-host of the podcast. This is already off to a great start. Uh, Kelly Dixon. Hey, everybody. Hi, I'm on remote again this year. Thanks, you guys, for asking me. Good to see you, yeah. or good to Thank hear Thank you, you for Chris. having us. Yeah, good, I know. Good to we, talk I, to you all. I, I miss you. How's things it. going on the Falcon and the Snowman? <laughs> 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 well, I think that movie was in, like, what, 1980-something? And you did a damn good job on it. <laughs> <laughs> what are you on? What's it called? Uh, it's called The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I was close. You were close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it fun? It is fun. It's a very, yeah. very different type of editing. Um, a lot of big stunt work and a lot of, you know, big action pieces, stuff like that. But, that surprises um, me. I'm, le- <laughs> I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot. It's like, you know, it's just really interesting how these things go. And there's such a big crew. You know, it's like you've got like previs people and stunt viz people and a whole vfx crew and just it's just really really a, it's a big thing it's like i feel like i'm a starting pitcher in yankee stadium and all i need to do is come out to the mound and throw strikes that's it that's my job just throw strikes i don't have to field the ball I don't, you know it's it's nice but nice. it's it's uh it's really a different type of thing and it's fun to you know be learning something new it's gonna be huge i predict yeah, that's super i'm gonna exciting. go out on a limb and say this next marvel <laughs> movie is gonna be big yeah. I Huge. hope it is. Congratulations. I think it's awesome. Thank you. Thank so, you very much. Vince, this, this episode oh, yeah, well, is, before. is pretty huge for us by our standards. Did you use uh, digital pre-visualization? And did you have a... <laughs> uh, which I'm, assuming that you, I'm assuming that there was a there was a VR helmet involved here somehow. Oh, yeah. Well, the one I'm wearing now, sure. Yeah. yeah. Always we say, always have the VR helmet on. Part we, of it's to protect me in the many falls that I had. <laughs> <laughs> we we did have a VR helmet introduced to the editing room this year by uh, Michael Morris uh, oh, yeah? when when he was he had just gotten it uh, when we when he was we were working on five hundred three and then uh, I got one for uh, Joey Lou my assistant as a present for his baby for him really and then I got one it's a nightmare <laughs> the, don't, these VR helmets they're taking over it's and, a puke uh, machine 
It can be. Oh yeah, no, it definitely can be. Um, Morris gets points on those things. He sold like four sets. I knew it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oculus is his middle name. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, before- that's nice. All right, now let's talk about this desert. <laughs> yeah. All right, before- now let's talk about this desert. Before yeah. we head off to the desert, let's talk about who's here. Uh, uh, as always, uh, we've got co-creators of this program: Peter Gould and Vince Gilligan. Hey, and I'm sorry for fucking up your introduction. No, no, that's a take. That's way off fuck it up at all. With the Falcon and the Snowman. Hey, no, we're right that's into lame it. Lame-ass joke I made. We I'm are sorry. right into it. Yeah. Um, get to get to Banks before he splits up his <laughs> he's, he's He's coming. And also, Joey Reinish is here again. Hello. And uh, Joey Reinish co-edited this episode. Yeah. Yay. Yay. I pretended uh, to be Skip for a couple acts. That's right. With Skip McDonald. Skip uh, Joey, McDonald, Joey. Good team. Joey used to work with me last year. And we co-edited an episode, uh, and then he betrayed me <laughs> and uh, abandoned me and left me for Skip. And uh, you know, y- you say you never forgive, and that's true. You know what, Chris? <laughs> you know yeah, what, Chris? you guys. What's is it up, true? Cal? Is it true that you guys have another podcast? Are you cheating? We on have us two with another other podcasts, <laughs> and Joey has uh, others more than that. Oh my! Is we'll it actually listenable? Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Unlike the criteria knots. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think that the listenership of the Better Call Saul Insider podcast would disagree with you. Good. God bless you um, people for hanging in there. And, and <laughs> hanging in there through the introductions. That's right. Yeah. That's where we are. Yeah, we've been going for about a half an okay, hour now. On this Jonathan bit. Banks yeah. needs to say yeah, something. Yeah, we, we've got, got to we finish have, your introductions here. It's coming. I'm sorry. It's Go coming. Ahead. Jim Carroll. And we all. I think that the audience will be happy to hear we have three special guests on this episode. First, Mike Aramitrout himself. Yes. Jonathan Bates. Hello. Hello. Thank you for sitting through that endless introduction. We're still not done. You got, <laughs> come on. No. Introduce everybody no. else. Uh, All we're doing is introductions. That's the entire thing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we didn't mention uh, that this episode was directed by Vince Gilligan. Yay. Uh, Yay, me. And, uh, and it was written by Gordon Smith. Yay, yes, Gordon. Who's, who's also here. Welcome back to the podcast, Gordon. Thank you. Thank uh, you for having me. Can I can I ask you guys like right quick though? Um, because I'm curious. You know, um, Vince is not. I mean, I'm assuming that this is still the case. Vince is not really a part of the writers' room anymore, no. and and I'm curious because Vince, you know, this is not a finale or a premiere. So I think this is one of the first middle ones that you've directed. So I'm I'm curious how you drew this straw and if if you specifically planned this and did you have any. Um, sort of input on the writing of this episode. No, not none. Uh, I want to. I'll let. Uh, I'll let Peter and Gordon answer that. But also, uh, Jen Carroll's here. That's Yay. right. Oh, fuck. I'm sorry. Yay. I knew we get. And that, folks, is the end of the introduction. I'm so sorry. Fuck. I'm well, sorry. No, it's okay. Well, you're not here to see. You're... No, it's all good. Hey, thanks a lot for joining us this week. That's been the podcast. <laughs> Um, yeah. That, how did you get? How did it work? That I I, I got to feel uh, now that it's over and I survived. I feel very well, lucky that I got to do this one. So well, how did that happen? Well, I will I will uh, fill in a little bit of that. Uh, it had to do with you finishing editing the movie and about where where the where your window was after the movie and uh, pretty early on in the season uh, you had said what about episode eight and then when we started breaking this one it was I I personally I think we all did had this picture of how you would direct this and what it would be like and this was the right episode and there was actually a moment 
I, you probably don't remember this. It was in a moment long before you saw the script where you said, wait, what about, maybe I should do a, a different one. You started trying to switch. There was a question of maybe switching out. And I, said, I got an inkling I, you were trying to kill I me. Said, with that's, this right. One. that's right. That's uh, right. It kept that, when we were breaking it, I would pass you in the hall and kind of go, oh. <laughs> oh <no. laughs> yeah. And, uh, I think this was uh, I, I, this is one of my, I'm, I don't usually think of myself as a producer first, but I think this was one of my finest moments produce, producerially uh, for 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 putting the the right guy in the seat for the right the right episode. Oh, you're very kind. What's well, a hell of a you know? Script. There's a lot more sinister explanation of this going on. <laughs> <laughs> so they get the writer, Gordon Smith comes in and they go, how do we make that old guy that plays Mike Ehrman's route? Let's just see how much he can take. Why don't we go out to where it's 110 degrees for a month and a half? Yeah, Actually, yeah. We, they, nobody's edited this yet. We just came out of the desert yesterday. <laughs> And then, and then to top it off, and then what director could we get that really could make him miserable? And, and, and why don't we get Vince? Oh, great idea. Let's go to the desert. I think they're trying that, to kill you and me both. I think oh, it's a little... Wait, wait, wait. I think it was if really... I hear you whine one more time, what did you do immediately after we started, stopped shooting? You went to a spa in Arizona, as I recall. Yeah. Because it was such a it was such an ordeal for you. It was. I went back to the fucking desert. <laughs> yeah, what's your point? Hi, <laughs> you do the short straw. <laughs> Yeah, how uh, how did this come up? I was in, thinking in, of you when I was getting my hot rock massage. <laughs> you know, when we started the show, uh, in all seriousness, there was a, it was a few years ago, and Vince and I were uh, kicking around what the show was going to be, and and uh, who who should be obviously it's Better Call Saul. We're going to have Bob if if we if if Bob's willing to do it. That's that's that was a big question, Mike. I, I'm still a and little then, bitter about it. It's yes. not better call Mike. But well, never mind. That, maybe that's still to come. You know, who knows? Uh, but the uh, the question was, you know, well, who 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 from Breaking Bad should be on this show? And it just, I mean, we both knew right away. It has to be has to be Mike. It has to be Jonathan. It has to be has to be on the show also. And as we were saying that, I think we both thought I, what I remember is just the image of uh, uh, Midnight Run. Which is personally one of my favorite my favorite movies. Great movie, and uh, often and, spoken and of in the in the editing room. Just the just the idea of those two guys together, uh, kind of kind of uh, possibly even for for years we were pitching that they were handcuffed together, and that they uh, and that there was uh, that's that's what I thought the show was going to be when we started. I thought the show was going to be both of them drinking urine in yes. the desert. Well, <laughs> you know, we, tried, we, we, we ran out of money, so only right. one of them had to drink you know, the we, urine. We did. Well, that was the idea: was that they were both going to be peeing in bottles, and then they would get them mixed up, yeah. and they wouldn't know whose who's pee was whose. <laughs> and, and I'm still kind of disappointed we weren't able to make that I'm work. Very disappointed. In fact, we had I think a whole. It cost us an Emmy. We have. Uh, <laughs> we had in this. We had for years uh, the, the urine titles. Yes. The, yeah. Like, we oh, we had you're titles. in trouble. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. You're, you're in, in danger. You're, you're in the money. You're in the money. You're, <laughs> you're in over your head. You're in over your <laughs> head. Yes. You're out. You're in for it now. I don't know why we haven't done that. It's I a room know. full of yes. professional adults. <laughs> 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 it's urine puns. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, but yeah, so, so finally, so so finally this, this is episode, a long time coming. Episode, episode, the 48th episode of the show, we finally got to what I thought we were going to do, like episode two. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. This is a, it's a journey. It's like a, it's an adventure. Yeah. But also, I think towards that, like we, we've always known, I think, from, from early on, or the discussions have always been like, okay, the, these two characters, not just that we want to see Mr. Banks' shining face, we do, but also, like, we knew it felt like Mike had something to impact on Jimmy's journey. It felt like they had kind of somehow evolved together, and so we've been sort of asking that, and they've pinged off each other throughout the, the, the previous, you know, four seasons of show, but this is, like, the point where they collide and stick and have to kind of you know grind it out together so it's the most we see them we've seen the two characters together in the whole show to this point it's it's that point where we're like yes this is chocolate and peanut butter yeah or a falcon and a snowman or a falcon and a snowman (laughs) yeah there's some stunts on that and you uh when um Corey, uh, what's his last? Eubanks. Corey Eubanks yes, yeah. flipped that car. Oh, that was amazing. I heard you say, I think that's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, my biggest uh, my biggest regret in the entire episode is that I sat inside the uh, van with the seven or eight for when Corey did the cannon roll, the, the big giant, uh, the amazing stunt at the end, which I think he was only one or two rotations shy of setting a world record. I, I think still think out. that wow. they should be counted. I lost I, yeah. $20 on that bet. <laughs> <laughs> we could do it, uh, you know, uh, in slow motion on the, like on the, uh, in the editing room. Um, my biggest regret is usually, you know, I, uh, I watched, we had six or seven cameras going because you only want to do something like that once. God forbid you got to do it twice. And so I was watching on the monitors, and halfway through as he's driving down the road about to hit the cannon and, and commence the, the roll, I remember thinking, why am I not outside watching this with my own two eyeballs? Because <laughs> whatever happens is whatever happens, and we can watch the playback ten minutes from now. So I really feel like a schmuck. I watched it on... TV screens instead of seeing it with my own two eyes, but it was an amazing stunt. Well, did yeah. we? Did you only have one shot at it? Was there a backup car? Or was that no, it was, it was just the one was, shot? No, yeah, that was. One shot. That's a big reason you have six or seven cameras, sure. uh, not because you intend to necessarily use them all in the edit, but because God forbid one or two of them fails. You know, yeah. And he was like, there. I mean, it, in, in that heat, in that tin, in the protective gear, in the car. And one of the cameras went down, down by the road, and had to be. So all the time is running and running and running yeah. and running while this guy is, it, and never complain, no, ever, ever, ever. Yeah. But that, and Corey Eubanks is somebody that you should look up and you should know that career. Well, he was 18 when he started as a stuntman. Yeah. yeah, he's the best yeah, guy in the world at cannon rolls. Yeah, he and is the a, guy. Yeah. yeah, and not only that, like we had to, we had to, we had to pull that up in the day because we had a front of weather coming through. We, uh, aside from it being murderously I'd hot, that. we yeah. kept having uh, because of the season. Um, it was monsoon season, so rain would roll in. Rain and wind would roll in probably about four or five o'clock every day, and so we were, had been scheduled for later in the day for this roll, and then we knew that it was going to start raining, so we're like, okay, we. It's impossible to do this in the rain, so we had to prep fast and get yeah. it done. Yeah. Uh, and I think we like had to work through lunch and just kind of make sure that we got it down yeah. before. And Corey right. was just like cool as cool as could be. Yeah. Even when he climbed, out, I was I was standing. I did stand outside and was holding my breath, just like okay. So the, car, the 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 barrel roll went off. That's amazing. And then it was just 
when is he gonna come out of that car? And when he did, oh it was like God. the biggest exhale from well, I think from the whole crew. Just no. yeah, the crew cheered. Oh, okay, okay, no, I know, okay. but I, I that was the one thing. I mean, you set up the shot as a director, but as in you say, this is what I want. But then, truly, you realize how little a director does for some of the most memorable, biggest moments, biggest shots that they get all the credit for. The director gets all you. I we I said I want uh, this is what I want. And then I literally just stood around and while all these experts made it happen, and my one responsibility was to call cut. I'm, you know, the director, I don't even call action. The AD calls action just because they have a stronger voice than I do. I can't yell out loud enough. And, and so the, my one responsibility was to call cut. And I wanted to make sure we had long enough in the editing room to hold on this on this vehicle just on its side. It turned out to be on its side. It could have wound up God knows which way. And... But I remember uh, tell them, Jen, you you actually started tearing up. You said because I was you I was waiting too long. You thought I was waiting too long to call cut. Oh, I didn't think you were waiting too long. But time works in slow motion when yeah. you're working on something like that. And we, we we you know we said we did pull it up to it was supposed to be at two p.m. and we right after lunch and we didn't at eleven a.m. instead because of the the storm coming in and we still. We it, it sounds like we did it faster than we planned to, but we still prepped that one shot oh, yeah. for two hours but from the point we started setting up the cameras and started doing all of our safety checks going through. And we just didn't know even where the truck was going to land. Yeah. We thought it might go straight forward, but depending on what wheels, you know, which tires popped first, it might go off to the left, it might go off to the right. So we had to plan for all of these things to make sure we got it on film 100%. And as the the moments were coming up, as he's speeding up around the corner, I that felt like another ten hours to me. I was I was getting more and more wound up just because he's done it a million times. But it's the biggest stunt we've ever attempted on either show, I think. And it, we had it, it's a, it's only one of three stunts in this episode. And Wait. I did I teared up as soon as I, I saw him jump out because th- those moments between when the car stopped moving and you in. The, you know, the 30 seconds before he crawled out of his own volition. We didn't have to go and cut anything out. He just opened a yeah. window and crawled right out the top. Those were terrifying. I don't you know, think it was 30 seconds. It seemed like 30 seconds. I don't think like it was it, that it, long. It was, but, yeah, I, I, yeah. It, it was that sense of just like time yeah. Yeah. slowing yeah. down. Elongating. So, yeah. I mean, but it, I, just I, to state the obvious too, uh, because those folks will have uh, seen the episode uh, and Bob was not actually... Bob Odenkirk was not actually in front of the vehicle when it did the flip. Right. Is that right? right. That's, oh, yeah. That's, that's, oh, definitely. There was, so, uh, but, but just, to be, just, just yeah. to be clear, yeah. because, well, we have done things, I mean, not quite like that, but the, uh, you know, when we had the cousins on, on Breaking Bad walk away from the exploding truck, they were physically there in front of the exploding truck. Yeah. Or last but, week's or, episode when Gus walked away from that exploding uh, Poyos Hermanos. That's story. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is, this is a situation where, I mean, I, I, this, this is, is much less controllable. No one on guess. earth. No one on earth. We had best guesses, but no one on earth knew how many times the vehicle would roll, which direction, as Jen said, left or right or straight, or, so, what, or what comes off that car. Yeah. Right. As soon off. as that wheel comes off, if the wheel is rotating forward, that thing can travel from you know it can it can travel a quarter of a mile. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This is but this is you know as a, as someone working on the show as a, a producer on the show you know. There's nothing more important to any of us than doing these things safely. Mm-hmm. And but that's, but you know, and I, 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 exactly that because there are producers, and I have worked with producers, and where the lights failing, or where because it wasn't moved up in the day, and I've seen them push stuntmen the way they shouldn't be pushed. And the first time I ever appreciated 
somebody that can control himself was a young stuntman out in the ocean and the director's screaming and you know you make the jump make the jump from a, a larger ship onto a small sailboat and the first pass he didn't make the jump the director's screaming second pass didn't make the jump and i was so impressed with that stuntman that young stuntman who took his time and did it correctly i was going to say that between corey and al Gatto, our coordinator yeah. and mm-hmm. because of you guys and i don't i hate complimenting you but, but because <laughs> of you guys there there is control there was control and at the very end of the day Al was not going to let it happen unless it was in control. Oh, absolutely. Actually, this is one of the things I just want to emphasize for all the young filmmakers out there who are listening to this. It's easy to look at stuff and think that we just went out and did it. Uh, and it's, it's, it's just not the case. Some, uh, you know, a stunt like this takes literally weeks of preparation and you know thousands of man hours thousands of man hours and these are also there are professionals and and, you know this is this is a situation where with with al gato or werner highland our our, our effect yeah that's that's true you're literally you're literally putting uh human lives in their hands and with with al uh this i can't say anything nothing's more important than to know when we're in the writer's room we can come up with any kind of crazy shit uh, and it's and it's really up to them sometimes to say, well, maybe we should do it this way or that way. Yeah. Uh, I remember there was a, uh, a situation on Breaking Bad where we had written uh, Walt uh, hitting two guys with his with his vehicle, and we were thinking about because we like to do everything for real, and we thought about doing it for real, and then it, we it just turned out that that was just too dangerous. Somebody was it was too likely that someone was going to get hurt, mm-hmm. and that was what was so. Then what was decided to replace the actors uh, with digital doubles in that scene. I think it works great. Oh, yeah. And uh, but you know what? Even if it didn't work great, it's ultimately it's just it's a piece of entertainment that we're working on here, mm-hmm. and it's not worth uh, any danger of anyone injuring themselves. So I'm I'm just going to say that. For everybody out there, all you students who are thinking, let me get that cool shot of, of the car driving over the camera. Let me do, let me get this cool shot of someone hanging off a moving car or someone running through a crowd with a fake gun. Uh, don't, you, there's a lot that you don't know that you have to learn before you do any of these things. And, and listen and, to your coordinator. Yes. I saw a kid get his eye laid out on his cheek because, oh, because, in, in because how did that he, happen? he was overzealous if you take the sharp corner of any table right and if you're getting hit with the with the bullets you're supposed to go pretty much straight up in the air and down you don't throw your body somewhere yeah. where you don't know where you're going to land kid was new he was overzealous and he threw his body back caught his oh, eye Jesus. on the corner oh, of the table okay. and, it, oh my God. and it came out on his cheek oh, um, oh my god and and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, 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 yeah. just uh, you know, I have to say, even on a good day when you're not doing stunts, a movie a movie set is a dangerous place. Yeah, it's it's a true. factory that's moving around. There's a lot of heavy equipment, yeah. and uh, I mean, I'm just it's something that I think we, it's worth saying. It's, it's, it's worth, just really I'm sorry. I just have I have no, I'm not glad to, you brought not it to up. have a, a moment a moment of uh, of that. But that's that's and that's why you know it's because we have Werner and Al. Uh, on the show that I feel comfortable doing this crazy shit. Yeah. But having said that, you know, the, we we made a um, 
a choice to have this. We talked about episode, this being episode eight. It happened that this episode shot in a very hot month. And if we had, if this were a movie, we would have waited six weeks to shoot it. And we did not have that option. And so our crew was working out in, in very tough desert What about conditions. the senior citizen you had out there? <laughs> what month well, was it, you guys? July. July. Oh, my July. God. oh, my God. July and Albuquerque. July and August. And this is this also this location, uh, which Vince, Vince, Vince went and rightly – this, by the way, I think one of the most beautiful hours of television I've ever seen, in addition to all the other, other wonderful things about it. You went back. You went back somewhere you've been before. Is tell that right? Him, tell them. Tahajali. Well, yeah. we, Tahajali, yeah. uh, which is, of course the, – the, well, not of course. The very but pilot episode the of Breaking pi- Bad. Pilot of Breaking Bad, and also the last, yeah. uh, the last couple of episodes of Breaking Bad returned to Tahajali, and I had never, I had never been there. <laughs> That's right. So you had never all I those had years. I had never been to Tahajali. Wow. Tell, tell them the history, though, of Tahajali. You know what you, it is. You know it better than I do. I think you should tell well, them. Well, if if yeah. the information I've been given is correct, right. that it's where the Navajo sent their undesirables. Um, on this reservation. Now, that was a long time ago. The people that are there now are not undesirables. They're good, upstanding citizens. But it uh, it's pretty barren and and vast. Yeah. However, the most beautiful, because of the, the uh, topography of the land, the most beautiful sunsets and sunrises that you have ever seen yeah. in your life. Beautiful. Yes. Very, I want to say, I, I, I'm, I apologize, I'm getting this wrong, but maybe Mike Barmatrat will help us out, but I believe I was told it's about 800,000 acres. It's actually got closer to 80,000 acres, but yeah, it's still a pretty huge stretch of land out there. Wow. And and maybe 1,000 people live out there. More like 1,600, really. And yes, indeed, we shot it on Breaking Bad, uh, We sh- uh, but we shot... It is so big, so vast out there that for this episode, we shot in areas that were literally miles away, even though it was all Tahajali, all this one Navajo reservation. We shot this entire episode in areas that were literally miles away from where we ever shot. Breaking wild Bay. horses. Yeah, wild, wild horses. horses and, and the yeah. biggest the biggest white stallion I have ever seen in my life. Yeah. I mean, he was huge. Wow. Yeah. Can we talk about the, the life that came out of there, though? So Bobby and I are sitting and we're doing a scene right and out of the middle and we're under a scrub bush because there's no trees and all of a sudden there a little dog comes and lies down between us and we went oh my god so you know the young young guys got her under a grip trailer and water and sandwich three o'clock that afternoon here comes the dog again now (laughs) i thought it i thought it was an old dog I i thought it was old anyway Bob checks with the the council, the 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 tribal council, if they can we can take this dog. Three days later, he gets an answer: Yes, you can take this dog. Bobby takes it into town, takes it to the vet to get it you know fixed up, and the vet says this dog's pregnant. Oh <laughs> and, wow! And he said he's going to throw a litter in two weeks. And he said, "How many?" He said, eh, "Probably about four. And, and so, this was a he. <laughs> It was. It's a magical place. Uh, I guess I should have. <laughs> anyway, two weeks almost to the day, here they come. One, two, three puppies, four puppies, five puppies, six puppies, seven puppies, eight puppies later. Wow. Yep. Wow. And when Bob took her into town, she had never been on grass before. 
So when he wow. put her on the grass, she very tentatively with her paws was just touching the grass wow. to see what that was. She also, her paws from being in the desert and living there were splayed. They were, it were, they were really, really wide. Yeah. So Ray Seahorn was midwifed these puppies along with a, another woman who really does know what she's doing. And uh, all those puppies have been adopted. Patrick Fabian took Taj, who he named Lucky, and one of the puppies to his little girls. Oh. And uh, that's where they are now. That's nice. That was a great, it was, it, you know what? It was wonderful. It was. <laughs> that's a fun story. Ironically, there's a, a historical echo because Moira Wally Beckett yes. also brought home a dog from Tahajali when, when, uh, when Ozymandias was shooting. shooting. That's right. That was right. That's uh, the very, the second, uh, no, third to last episode of of Breaking Bad. And many would say maybe possibly the best episode we ever did. And I wouldn't, I hear hear that a lot. Possibly the best episode of television ever made. I would, I would not argue that it was our best episode. And, uh, but that one scene in Tahajali, uh, in the third to final episode, was the very last thing we shot, because we shot some of that stuff out of order. That was the very last scene we ever shot on Breaking Bad, the TV show, and it was in Tahajali. So it was, yeah, it was a With Ryan magical Johnson place. Back to, With Ryan Johnson he had directing, to yeah, come back and do that scene. God, what a great job! I want to loop. Director. I want to loop back. Also, sorry, Kelly. I want to loop back also, and mention that Tahajali is not quick drive from Albuquerque. Right. And this meant that uh, in all practicality, we had to put the entire crew up and in hotels, and I have to f- give a shout out. Not to hotels, our, oh, hotel. Hotel. Uh, not in a hotel, ho- a casino. Yeah. In a casino. I, I also want to say thank you to uh, our partners at Sony, because this was, uh, this, this may look like any other episode, uh, I, I think it I think it fits right into our show. But it was uh, it was a, a big episode in terms of uh, getting production and the resources that we put into it. And uh, you know, Sony Sony really did you know really did come through for us. And, and it was it's it's I think it's a remarkable hour of television. Uh, and uh, it, it wouldn't be there if if, the, if if Sony hadn't been willing to take the risk. How many shooting days was it? It was 18. 17 and a half. <laughs> Technically, we split a day with episode uh, the previous episode, that's 507. True. So it was like, that's right. That's like uh, Apocalypse Now territory. It was about double. It was double. We were very lucky that, that Sony... Um, wow. Uh, supported as, us. As, as I said, we had, we had weather shutdowns. We had, we had a variety of things that, you know, it is that question of... You, you, you could rush it, and you could be like, "Let's try and cram this in. We got to get this shot." But Gordon, you didn't we, rush it. We we didn't, but I, I again when you when I, I do think that given the heat and given the conditions, uh, it was the better side of of valor to to not rush it because we would have. I, I think we would have been in danger of. No, the better people. side like of we, valor would have been give us an episode that was shot in the in the sound stage and not that's true. Not in the fucking desert. For oh, by the way, days. Days. but <laughs> speaking of sound stages, I'm just saying speaking of sound stages, that was the most uncomfortable I was in that rock on the sound stage. I couldn't find a place to be comfortable. Well, I want to give a We're shout not out. Winning with Mr. Banks. I want to <laughs> give a shout out. He to, loved it. I want to give a shout out. This is my role here is just to be the jerk who keeps on putting all the asterisks and I want to give a shout out to uh, our, our brilliant production designer, Mark Freeborn, yeah. and his whole crew, 
plus Steve Brown, who is our uh, our construction coordinator, because they built and his whole crew. Yeah, the, the, I yeah. mean, it's yeah. it's it was a remarkable set that the uh, they had to duplicate the rocks that were shot on location for that night scene that you guys and and by the way, what a what a beautiful scene shot by the light of glow sticks, uh, and it's also the introduction, the reintroduction of. Uh, Maybe my favorite prop on this show, one of my favorite props, which is the uh, space blanket. Yeah, space I thought blanket. that was yep. really apropos. Brutal. And, but it was it was that was on that was on stage, which uh, was a, a surprise to me when I heard that we were going to do it on stage. But it all it, it, it was it was the way to do it. And, and oh, it would have been such a nightmare to no, shoot it out for I real. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. I can't even oh, imagine. God. But Everyone you know, would break a leg. When you yeah. when you guys you see you guys. I just want to draw the picture for the uh, for our listeners of where this location, because you would drive out of Albuquerque, you keep going, you get off the highway, and then there's a two-lane blacktop, and that goes for several miles, and then there's a little sprinkling of a town and a school, and then you turn onto some dirt, and then you take a left, and then the dirt goes up and it goes down. And then and you're then halfway goes, there. And, exactly. <laughs> and you think you think over each rise, you, each rise, that, okay, this is going to be base camp. This is going to be base camp. This yeah. has got to be base camp. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't. The, and then, and then see, finally, there's base camp. And then you and can then, catch your bus to set. And then you take your bus to set. And it was, they yeah. were, it, I, I just, the, the, I can't say enough about yeah. what the conditions that this crew worked under and the entire crew, if you went out there, you all you saw was eyes. The people would be people yeah. who had hats. They had everyone except Paul Donachi, our 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 a camera operator, who was uh, in a short sleeved shirt and uh, scrambling over rocks. And just he is a man is made he, of iron. He, he is made of iron, and he is he's an Englishman. And, uh, like as white as he could be. They yeah. love yeah. the, the heat. I don't know how he d- doesn't look like a charcoal briquette at this <laughs> point. I know, I know. But like Peter's saying, the logistics of this episode were amazing because not only is it just getting there, but once we're there, you can't have the 300 people who are on set visible in any of the very, very wide shots we had. Because this every shot, every scene in this episode has so much scope to it. And so we had to hide 100 people behind the camera every time. And so I would like to give a shout out to Dennis Millican and Josh Foley, our transportation oh, yeah. department, oh, yeah. because yeah. they were moving a huge caravan down a one lane dirt yeah. road every time we changed setups. Gosh, this is interesting. Those guys did a great job. The, the logistics behind this, we could. I know people probably listening saying, "Tell tell us about the actual story," but the, the logistics that went into this. The, it, I think it, they it, saw the story. Well, yeah, they, yeah the, the the hardest single thing I've ever had a hand in. I came off of doing a movie for forty six days, my first movie ever. This was, and then I got to direct this. And I, I'm joking, bitching about how hard it was. I'm bitching about it is the fake part. It really, this was the hardest single thing I ever did, ever. And I had the easy job compared to the people actually humping heavy equipment around. And I was just mainly had to keep the sun off myself and keep my brain working somehow. But I had so much help with that. This was the hardest single directing I hope I will ever do. (laughs) And I still had an easier job than most. Yeah. Can I, I'm just going to, you know, be the, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, be the spoke in the, the broken spoke in the wheel here and jump back to the beginning because I'm curious about a couple things. You had talked about this location that you used um, and you redressed it to be, I'm assuming, this garage you were talking about in a previous episode. That's right. Yeah. Um, the old Sherwin and, Williams uh, and, paint factory. And yeah. when I watched the episode, I watched it, you know, at home with um, 
with a big uh, watermark of my name on in the middle of it. So it's very hard to see. <laughs> but, um, you know, you open up with these guys scrubbing this blood. And I'm curious, is that the Cadillac? It's not, it's not the Cadillac, it's not the Cadillac that Saul okay. drives. Just curious. No, no, no. Like I said, I couldn't but see. But it is a I couldn't see, Cadillac. but I was it's like... It's a Cadillac, but it's not his Cadillac. I got, you know I got excited. Yeah. Sorry? No, no, it's no, it's definitely not Saul's... No, it, uh, I'm glad you asked that in case anyone was wondering <laughs> so we don't... We disabuse them of that idea. No, it was... Uh, it was... It was... You're not meant to know whose Cadillac that was, but as a funny little aside, it's a beautiful old 1975, I believe, Cadillac... Uh, I don't know all my Cadillacs. I think it's an Eldorado, but I, I, I don't quote me on that. But it's a mid seventies. Okay. Beautiful Cadillac convertible, and a local gentleman owns it. And I saw that exact same Cadillac in the movie MacGruber, oh, <laughs> right, which right. was also shot in Albuquerque. Yeah. And which, by the way, if you haven't seen MacGruber, it is it is funny. It's, it's filthy as hell, but it is is so damn funny. And then the other. But yeah, I saw the same Cadillac in uh, MacGruber. And, yeah. and you will recognize many locations from Better Call Saul in MacGruber. So it's actors. the same universe then. It is. It is. Yes. We're, we're, pro- we're gonna have a crossover soon. <laughs> MacGruber <laughs> is part of the Gilliverse. <laughs> you heard it here first. The other thing I wanted, to, I was curious about, is I was really trying to look at all those cars in there. Did you get like? Did you guys get somebody to bring in? Like, you know, did. Did, where did all those cars come from? They were amazing. Oh my yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> the most expensive scene in the entire series, perhaps. Uh, With Dennis and Chris and Josh and all the Teamsters uh, did a fantastic job procur- procuring those cars. I mean, they were they're, amazing. They're, yeah. Well, the, the most expensive, I was told, was the silver what is it, a mid 80s uh, Lamborghini. Uh, as, the, as the cousins are walking, when they first walk into the big room with all the cars, it's 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 close to the beginning of their walk wow. as we're behind them. It's a, off to the left side. It's a sort of a, 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 a steel colored, silver colored Lamborghini that was about a half million bucks. But that was just one of many very expensive cars. And, did and they, we own all those cars now, right? So we can just each we each get one. <laughs> did they, did so they have a, to fly? Did they bring them in from like? Oh, LA they were or coming in. A, they were coming in on flatbeds from all over the Southwest. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yes. They tried to source as many of them locally as possible, but uh, there was not as many. I mean, if you were shooting this scene in Los Angeles, you'd have a lot more very expensive cars at your disposal just because there's so many more people in Los Angeles and L.A.'s kind of known as a car car capital, expensive car capital. It was harder. These guys had a hard time finding all these things. Yeah, we had, like, yeah. all the whole crew had to take off their work belts around the cars. Wow, yeah, okay. There was just no chance. You couldn't, you didn't want to carry things through that warehouse, uh, which also was almost as hot as the desert, if not hotter. That's true. Yeah. Um, it was hot enough. It was so and, hot because it just had that tin roof and there was no AC, or the AC was stuff that we had to provide, and it was... It was brutal. We were told it was too hot for snakes. Oh, yeah, Vince, you got to tell fact? that story. No, you tell. Or I'll tell. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So this is my favorite. I tell this to everybody. So we're, we're on the, the tech scout for the episode. So we're walking through all the locations one by one with the with the crew to make sure we have everything we need to prep. And Vince is chatting with our snake wrangler because every time you're out in the desert, you need to have somebody looking out for tarantulas and, and snakes and, and any other kind of critters that might bite someone on the crew. It's, it's a safety thing. We do it all the time. And so Vince says to this nice young woman oh have you caught any snakes today and she just says oh no it's too hot for snakes (laughs) (laughs) what are we doing here (laughs) what do the snakes know that we don't know so we there's a very special crew t-shirt that joey ranish uh drew a beautiful 
It's an only. Oh, I think all. I think it's in short supply. It, but is. it is a too hot for snakes T-shirt, featuring a snake, a snake drinking uh, from, uh, from 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 a, a special bottle. From a special <laughs> bottle. I think it got us through the episode, though. On days when it was tough, when the lightning came down on us, we would just look at each other, and the whole crew would say too hot for snakes <laughs> also it was great because as soon as she told me that i fired her on the spot and we saved a little money yeah. um, oh we don't of, need you okay so i have one more question about that place um and yeah. i and then my question is about the money because i know that when breaking bad we talked a lot about having money and fake money and where they had to come from but this looked like way more money than you guys have ever used. Is that true or no? Or well, we probably used more in Breaking Bad in that one mattress the shot. warehouse. Oh, okay. But, but 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 yes, this might be the most we ever saw in Better Call Saul, probably. Right. Mm-hmm. In five oh eight, was that almost eighty million? Eight sorry, eight million? Seven. Sorry, eighty million that Walt has. Oh, oh, in the, that he puts we, in the barrels. The best so this we is the also. The, oh, wait a minute, you're right. The best we could guess is it was about $80 million yeah, that Walt had. Right. Yeah, but that was million. built around a big box. Yeah, you know, honestly, also, we might have used more fake money here because that was built around a yeah, big that wooden was, box. Yeah, yeah. But, I'm, right. but I'm curious. Yeah. Also, so, it was, that was also built around specifically because of how they'd been laundering the money. It was all hundreds. So here, these are mixed denominations because this is where the money is coming. This is sort of our incoming and outgoing for the Salamancas processing of their empire. It's swag that they've stolen. Wow. It's cars that they've stolen. It's everything. It's things that they've jacked uh, as well as the money that's... So it's not just the money that they're storing. It's money that's coming in and going out. So a lot of it, you can see the, the, those guys who are counting... It's like they've gotten, you know, money from dealers or suppliers or stuff like that, and they're counting it out. So it's not all going to be hundreds. It's going to be whatever denominations right. they've got. Okay. So, so that actually increases the volume quite substantially. Right. So there was so much discussion, as I recall, about how much money and yes. what denominations. And, and, and my yeah. question is, how yeah. much did it weigh? Because I'm curious about... You know, oh. being able oh. to, yeah. We took some well, liberties with that. We did take some liberties with that. So in reality, uh, if it was all hundreds, uh, which they'd be lunatics not to put it in all hundreds, mm-hmm. uh, it would weigh about 150 pounds. We played it lighter than that yeah. and, a, and a bit less volume. Each bag would be 75 pounds. Yeah. Wow. That's what I, that was For what $7 million. Dollars. Yeah. 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 So we, we, we tried to play it like it was about, say, 100 pounds, but... We, we, you Which know, you still, still make very far. See why Mike it, wasn't interested way, in helping out. Yeah, that's <laughs> this what is why. I said this too. is why. Uh, this is why Jimmy says uh, they shouldn't have discontinued the thousand dollar bill. <laughs> exactly. That's a great line. And either way, you know, that's not something you do and then just walk away and are like, nah, it was fine. Like you, you, you're carrying that much weight. You, you probably could see be crippled him. for life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you could get it that far. Yeah. yeah like the, by by the end of this episode, he is beat to hell yeah. both of them are both both mike and jimmy are beat to hell yeah. whatever bob had in that, uh, those bags though however much they weighed when you drag them around all day for 17 days it's it'll get your attention <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah he we, demanded that we put 50 pounds in each one we <laughs> we tried to give him the the yeah. light the guy's well, a great literally, shape i would the, the scene where you guys sit down under the tree you remember with them when you were just talking about with the dogs Bob, because he wanted to be in the moment of of being out of breath and having gone through something already, was t- carrying those bags and running around on the hill yeah. and was just like getting himself to that point and then be like, okay, we're ready for you. And he'd run in and be like, okay, here I am. And we're like, you don't need to 
do that for every take, but God, he, he, is he really wanted to shape. be there because uh, he's in such good shape. Pisses I, me off. Yeah, I just, I just watched him because I'm not that dedicated. <laughs> I'm not going to run around out there. And here, he, what I'm going to give you is what you're going to get. Right? <laughs> and also on top of everything else, I mean, you're a mile up. And if you live, mm-hmm. if folks listen to this who live like on the East Coast where I grew up or whatnot, I, I was much later in life did I ever go to the Southwest where – in the Albuquerque area, you're a mile up. It doesn't look, you don't feel like you are. I mean, well, you do feel like you are. You doesn't look like you are, but you feel it in your lungs. And that, man, that takes it out of you. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. you recognize yeah. it by the nosebleeds that you have. Yeah. And the sun is way more powerful because there's 5,000 less feet of, fewer feet of uh, ozone between you and the sun. And it's, yeah, you just get just like a microwave potato out yeah. there. Just, yeah. uh, there was one day that I think I'm the only person here who actually kind of went down from the dehydration. But like there was just one day and I thought I was being good about it. And I, you, we were having a meeting about the out, out on the blacktop for the, the, the stunt. And, and you looked at me and you're like, are you OK? And I'm like. I'm fine. And then it was just, and then Jen came to me. Everyone was coming up to me being like, are you okay? You don't look good. And I'm like, I think I'm, I'm okay. And then the medic came over and she's like, you're not okay. Here, take some medicine. You should have been drinking more pee. I should have. I really should have been drinking more pee, but you know. Because water isn't enough. Like that's the lesson we learned from, from you, I think in the moment. Water's not enough. Urine. We were handing out bags of, uh. Electrolytes. 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 Yeah, exactly. but you need Brando. that Gatorade, or if you don't want the sugar, you have to do packets of electrolyte because it, yeah. it's brutal. It's not water alone is not enough. I found cocaine helped me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, you know, we, we said goodbye to the esteem in this episode. Yeah, yeah. that was a bummer. Oh. Yeah, that was that was a good stunt too. That's I, how yeah. did you do or that, Joe? You cut F- that, right? FX. I did. Hey, Joey did a great job cutting it. The uh, can we Don't talk? Don't let about, him swell his head. <laughs> right. yeah. Can we talk about uh, what when you guys push the car over the cliff? Sure. Um, oh yeah. There's there's probably about thirty seconds of the car halfway falling off the cliff that yeah. the uh, the two stuntmen are still pushing yeah. that we kind of jump out of it. Uh, yeah. But how how was it on set when the car hit that ledge? And I've never it, seen Werner Handline so freaked out. Yep. Yeah. You know <laughs> we good. had to. It, I I was. I decided to leave the air conditioning briefly to uh, to actually be on set, and uh, that that stunt got pushed because of rain and because the, the that whole area started getting a little squishy. And as I recall, as I recall, Vince, that was not planned. It was not planned that the car hang up at that point. Is that right? I my memory of it, I was in my airstream trailer getting <laughs> acupuncture, and, the, <laughs> and the, the the video tap chose that exact moment to go out. So I, what I this is what I remember. This is what I remember is it hung up it and did. all of us yeah. at Video Village went, oh, no. No, I, I, oh, no, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I didn't know what to do. No, I was standing out there and watching and it hung up. It, 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 the way they did it, they buried decking plates under the dust and then put a layer of dust down. Uh, those are both stuntmen. Those are not uh, Jonathan and Bob. Although uh, these guys were really game, I have to say, all joking aside, uh, they, were, they gave 110% throughout the whole thing. And, but something like that, we didn't know if the edge of that, of that uh, uh, cliff would give away. So we had a couple stuntmen, and, and also we had them on decking plates, and we had them, and we told them not to get past a certain line of demarcation that uh, Al Goto gave them. And, but uh, there was a, a petty bone, which is a big forklift, uh, if you want to know what a petty bone looks like, I don't know how to describe it. Just Google it. But it's this big 
uh, front loader forklift thing off camera and an aircraft cable that uh, Werner Hanlein and his guys had rigged. So the car is being pulled because two people could usually push that car, except not through the dirt and dust. You know, you'd have to take 10 guys to do it. So the petty bone is off camera pulling the thing along on a hidden aircraft cable. And then there's a pick point where theoretically the thing goes over, the cable falls off the pick point that's welded to the bottom of the car, and then the thing falls off the cliff. And uh, these guys all made best efforts to make it fall off, you know, but they got hung up because you just never know what's going to happen with this stuff. And Werner was freaking out. And I'm thinking, should I yell cut? Should we try this again? And I think I think I looked at you, Jen, and you were just like, I, I, we were, none of us were sure what to do. And then it just, you know. And then finally the thing fell off. And yeah, thank well, God the stunt and, guys when and, it hung up, they did not. They kept. They kept. They stayed in the scene. Thank God, yes. you know, because yes. like they, they could, could have, have like waited. By, they could have waited and been like, oh well, it hung if up. If they kind of looked at the cameras, like what do we no, do now? No, but they just boys? kept. They yeah, just they kept, kept pushing, it. and then the kid, yeah. the the yeah. Ben Warner and his guys kept pulling with the cable, and eventually and the, it came and, and it just looked. And when so finally when it did go, we were all like. Oh, that was so great, and it was—it was almost—it was better for having hung up yeah. because it felt like they had yeah, to work a little harder. It was very real. It was you know? better. It what was. I remember was yeah. there was a long pause afterwards, and uh, we were talking about it. Oh yeah, and we, then. Vince, you finally said, eh, I guess I should put Werner out of his misery. <laughs> because, of course, Werner, Werner was watching yes. to oh, yeah. some, from a, for, he was watching from, from down on the set. And he, yeah, yeah. He, I'm sure going through his mind was, are we going to have to set this whole thing up again yeah, yeah, yeah. and do it all over again? It's amazing how much communication out there had to be done with walkie-talkies. Because it, it, you don't understand the distances out there. And then you, until you start walking from the set to the honey wagon to go to the bathroom. And yeah. you're just like, oh, my God, I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be yeah. walking for the next 10 minutes. And yeah. so, so like with Werner, I had finally got on the walkie-talkie and said, Werner! <laughs> and then I said that was just being goofy. I said that looked awesome, and it did. It looked awesome. I'm glad it hung up. It worked out very, very well. But God forbid you have to do anything like that twice. Well, let me ask God you. Forbid. Let me ask you this about if you had to do it twice. I'm curious because I know. I mean, I'm assuming that you guys had to haul it out of there. So how'd you get it out? That was somebody else's job. <laughs> yeah. I was long yeah. That's by the easy then. part. No, they yeah. just left it. It's still there. No, seriously. It's a monument now. It's <laughs> going to be on the Breaking Bad tour. Yeah, they, they come along later. And no, we left it there throughout the shoot. But then they come along later and they, they rent a crane. And crane. They, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, and they put it on decking plates to get as close to the edges as safe. And then they just they haul it out. Wow. It's, uh, it's, those guys are amazing. Wow. Yeah. Do, do, and I, I know we're not going to have enough time to talk about the entirety of that gunfight. But is that how you shot that super high shot? from a crane is that a drone uh the, there's drone. there's one it's so still the, the still yeah. one the yes. still one looking straight down yeah. is a drone shot wow uh, there might be i think that's it we have several drone shots uh in the episode or at least at least two yes uh, some fo following the car yeah the esteem as it's driving i sure. try not to overdo it with the drone because it's an amazing it's like we're living in star trek days yeah. it's just amazing technology i don't know how they do it but it's like i think about when the steadicam came out in the mid to late 70s that was that was and still is amazing too but there's a tendency or when the zoom lens came out in the 50s or whatever just there's a tendency to go batshit nuts with it and i like personally and this is to each their own do whatever you want to do as a director but I like using a drone mainly as a as a ca steady camera platform to put a camera someplace you otherwise couldn't put it. So there's a shot looking straight down at the aftermath of the shootout, for instance, where where Mr. Banks comes comes out 
and it's looking straight down and wide enough so that we don't give away that it's Mike yet. But I love drones for that kind of stuff. But you know, to each their own. But I, I try to minimize the use of them just because I, I just feel like at a certain point it's like pouring too much hot fudge on your Sunday. It's, it's too, too much is too much. It's, it doesn't make it better after a certain point. Well, that's so. such a dynamic shot. And then another shot, another big wide shot that I was impressed by, I was like, how'd they do that? Was uh, when Mike and Jimmy are, are walking away through a valley and they're at seems to be at normal speed and the oh, like the yeah, world yeah, yeah. seems to start going into time lapse including the clouds that was a great a little sound effect good which hopefully is in the final mix of some kind yeah because I, I thought it was very effective i think we put in a farting noise instead <laughs> <laughs> but jo- uh <laughs> jonathan will remember this scene this yeah. is that uh yeah. you and bob walk up that small hill and then look at that beautiful vista. And then we made you walk down the steepest hill I've ever seen for about 10 minutes. And then we swapped in, because we needed you prepping for another scene, Jonathan and, and Bob. Um, we swapped in our photo doubles and had them walk for, I, it might have been 30 it was, minutes. It was a while. 40 minutes like out, it just straight away from camera. And then we... Yeah. So that's the answer to your question, Chris. I don't know if it was... It wasn't, was it, it wasn't. It wasn't. It, it might have been a solid like, twenty twenty five minutes. It was a long time. It was a it long was... time to let a camera run. Uh, but what we had then, Chris, is is a twenty five minute take uh, where you switch you switch actors uh, in the middle of it, or not in, near the beginning of it, but they're far enough away that the switch is imperceptible. You just stop the cam. You just you know cut from one to the other. In the, in the but then we had twenty five minutes worth of cloud movement. And, but we had everyone walking below the clouds at normal speed. So uh, it was nice with this amazing, and again, stuff, as much as I miss film, mm-hmm. something you could not do in the film era because you couldn't have a 25-minute take, first of all. Right. The most you could ever do with 35 millimeter, to my knowledge, is about 11 minutes. So. Well, they built special mags for oh, okay. De Palma. had one that they could do almost, a, like I think, a 20-minute Wow, load. And okay. They, they used it right. on that movie snake eyes oh okay all right but so, i have a question yeah. for john johnny uh just because this is the most time we've ever seen mike with jimmy right how does mike feel about what does mike think of jimmy do you think and does well, it change by the, time, by the time we get to the end yeah they're the very idea that he'd put himself in harm's way out on the highway mm-hmm. yeah it begins to change there's that mike sees there's more substance than he thought. Mm-hmm. That's how. That's the, way, the, that's yeah. the simple answer. Yeah, and the way you play that, and the way he plays it, that change is so good. Well, and I love also the way the way you delivered it. And you, have, I know, uh, you haven't seen the episode. No. But you, you, you lived it. In or, you know, it's quite an. We uh, use a couple Odyssey. close-ups of you in this one. <laughs> oh, and, mighty big of you, boss. <laughs> well, it's it's that it's the it's the kind of uh, Mike explaining why he does what he does yeah what it's all it's, about yeah. it's that really, was, yeah. it's really you know, i'll tell you i tell you it, it, that was difficult too um sometimes you come to something very quickly and you see the sense in it and when i first read that i was i was taking it way up to a place of anger that was way too big uh, that didn't didn't work and i went home and I went, and then I realized that it's, again, the stillness, and it's the simplicity and the honesty of what he's saying. I got somebody waiting for me. I got somebody waiting for me. Beautiful. It's, it's such a beautiful, beautiful moment. I, yeah. I get I get misty-eyed. I don't mind saying I get misty-eyed every time I watch that scene. 
and and for all the uh, and I am so proud of this episode. I'm proud of the whole season uh, for all the the production uh, and the and the the stunts and all the amazing work. For me, the the thing that I always take away from it, I remember it, are those moments between Mike and Jimmy, the uh, the glow stick scene, mm-hmm. uh, or that that scene which I just find incredibly powerful in the context. It's, just, it's so it's because really Mike is 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 showing himself to Jimmy in a way we've right, never seen him before. And I'm I'm going to give Bob up here and, and really candid. You know, Bobby's a writer. Bobby writing sketch comedy, doing sketch comedy, coming to that. Obviously, he's taken on something and succeeded beyond expectations, I, I suspect. I don't think that's unfair. He is still finding those places where it's comfortable and where, where it's honest. Um, he did something in reference to, to Kim that was so simple and straightforward and it, I don't, I, I don't think he, he's still finding his way as great as he is. And I do, I'm not using that word just casually. How great he is at what he does. You know, just telling you who Bob is, Bob's that guy that took that dog out of the desert. And that's who Bobby Odenkirk is. Yes. <laughs> and he's finding those places as an actor, too. He, in my opinion, he has done some. When you see it, like the, that last moment of him, it, it is a moment that we kept, we were joking about it. We joked about it in the room, but his moment of determination to be with Kim after the speech that you've given him, and like, okay, if if living means drinking this piss, I'm, and that's what it takes to get me home, I'm gonna do it. And it, yeah. it's he, there's not a word of dialogue, yeah. and it's it's. He's fantastic. He's just it's it's really fantastic. I, I think. Know, I agree. I I was I all joking aside, I was worried. I think I said to you, both you guys uh, uh, Peter Gordon. I was I said I get exactly what you when I read it. I said I get exactly what you're going for here, but I'm worried. This is tricky. I'm worried that people will laugh at this. You know, guy after all he's drinking pee. I'm worried people going to yeah. laugh. And I need I need not have worried because uh Bob just uh, yeah, it just it you no, know, it uh you know, you guys wrote, devised, and then wrote a great story, a great script, and then uh, had had uh, had uh, had Bob and Jonathan playing it. And so I need not a word. Uh, that is one of my personal. I think that is my personal finest moment uh, that I've ever seen Bob do. Is that one shot where he, <laughs> oddly enough, where he's drinking pee, but he played that. Not a word is spoken, but he, the way he plays it, there's so much going on behind his eyes. There's so much going on. I just I, I, well, yeah. for all my moaning and bitching, um, and I got to tell you, it's it's one of it's one of my favorites that I've ever done. Oh, that good. that I'm glad. And I, we're sitting here. I'm looking out at the sky here, and it's raining. And I'm thinking, you know, I for whatever, I I miss Tahajli. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I. Don't want to say I'd go back. (laughs) (laughs) Season six takes place entirely. (laughs) I will also say that when I watched it, it really was a moment where I thought ahead, because we all know what happens to John. I mean, to Mike, and I thought about what happens to him and how he tried to put the money away for his family, his granddaughter, and everything. Right. And it really made me start to think about the future. And it's kind of interesting because 
The one thing that I will say that's I think is so interesting about that episode and where I think that drama is just is so amazing is because we all know that these guys made it through this. We all know the outcome of this, but it's still incredibly suspenseful and you care so much about what happens. Yeah, yeah it's a tag. It's a testament to, to everything, to the performances, the writing and the directing that that uh that you that you do care so much about these people whose whose destiny is already determined and we already know it right. and that doesn't change it at all. You're still caught up in all of those moments yeah. and it, it's really mm-hmm. it's that's like hard. a magic I think that's trick. That's hard to do. I always, you know, I'm, I've, I've said always that I'll be doing Mike's backstory for the rest of my life, but mostly, I, 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 and I will because I come up with things whether <laughs> I do, but. I was also thinking when you say that, when he put his money away from the side of his family, I've always thought that you start with a gun slide being cocked by a female hand, and it turns out to be Mike's granddaughter somewhere yeah. down the line, <laughs> that, she's, <laughs> that she's the enforcer. Of course, Gosh, I, I hope that. that would be bleak. That's a bleak thought. Yeah, yeah. but Mike would hate that, wouldn't It was he? meant to be. But he would hate yeah. that, wouldn't he? Mike yeah, would hate he would, that. he would hate yeah. that. He wouldn't yeah. want Doesn't that. Doesn't mean Kay Lee would hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm sad for the for not being. We could talk about this episode for another five hours, but yeah, unfortunately, a, we we do have to wrap. It up. What a great job of cutting too! Absolutely, Skip McDonald, yeah. Joey Ryanish, great great editing. It was a real masterwork of editing. God, how long did that shootout take? How many days was that? Uh, just five. Five, five days just to do five that one full scene. Days. Yeah. Longest single scene I've ever had a hand in. Yeah. And you said it was the hardest when you were directed, but what I think is so yeah. amazing about it that started from the script and then all the way through the directing was that you and Gordon both said, this scene has to be, it has to be a, a beautiful, you know, shootout, guns, tires exploding, all of that, you know, crazy action. But the heart of it is that it's from Jimmy's point of view. And like Kelly and Chris were saying, it's we know that he doesn't die in the shootout, but this shootout is so pivotal to him becoming Saul Goodman and he just has to close a part of himself off because of this trauma that you I think it's amazing that you said we want Jimmy to be in every single shot of this shootout and that was very difficult but it keeps us he didn't have a gun he's the only guy with no gun that's and that's one of the things I love about our show is that this is that the Jimmy is the guy who doesn't there's that one there's that wonderful moment where he picks up the gun and he throws it away that's not what he does it, and 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 I for me as as a, a civilian I get I get into that I, I I I he's this is not he's not really an active participant for once no and he played and the trauma I just didn't, I didn't, unbelievable I didn't come in until the, what the last day or two days but on that but yeah. it was he played that trauma in the in yeah. the in the flinching at any yes. sound yeah it was great. I was going to say those stuntmen too. All those stuntmen. They did they, great. And yeah. you know what? They had a great time. Good. I mean, they were. It was miserable as hot. Yeah, but 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 but. But they, when I got there, and I knew some of them, and they were going, oh man, this is. And they had had a wonderful time. It's it's They're a miraculous good, good piece. Of, it's a miraculous piece of work, Vince. Uh, also because it's just laid out with such clarity, where uh, so much is going on. But it, you, by the way, not, it's not just. It is from Jimmy's point of view, but it also that you have to, we, we had so many story things that had to happen yeah. with the gun, the, the cars that had to be disabled, uh, tires that would be long, it just the whole, everything about it, even finding the right location 
uh, which in, in that horseshoe, uh, which is not, I mean, it's, you know, we, we try to picture these things in the writer's room as much as we can. It never would have occurred to me in a million years to stage it the way you did. And it, it's just so clean and clear and, and, emo- and that makes it emotional because you're not watching it trying to figure out, just trying to follow it. You're worried about Jimmy and you're worried about uh, what this all means and, and you're in his shoes. I, I, that to me is, is just a, an enormous accomplishment. I'm so glad. There was, we tried, we, like Jen said, we tried to have Jimmy in every shot. There may be one or two shots in the sequence where he's not in it, but, but the intention was... For anyone listening who's directs or, well, folks who direct don't need any advice, but folks who want to direct for a living, it it was uh, do your homework because uh, especially for a scene with gunfire and stuff because there's an added element of danger with blanks. But, but do your homework. I think there was five or six pages of shot listing just for that one scene. Yeah. And, you know, people, a lot of times people say, oh, no, I got, this saps my creativity. I just got to get out there and wing it. Do your homework, oh, and then and then you can change it later. You can throw it all away once you get there. But if you haven't done your homework, you are, you are, uh, it's you're. You are doing all of us a disservice. And, and you're doing, absolutely, you're, doing, you're, you're 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 sticking it to your crew, and you're guilty a bit in my estimation of malfeasance as a director. You're just you're not. I don't know if that's the right word. Maybe that's a financial no, word. malfeasance. But, it, but work. it's it's but it's you I gotta. Will, you I will gotta, say also that Vince, your your homework is uh, aesthetic as well as functional. Yes. And, yes. and anyone listening, you can you can Google and see what Vince's homework looks like. Uh, let me tell you, not everyone. You, you can still plan it and not have it be quite as beautiful, but it, it's it, it doesn't. It sure as hell doesn't hurt that it's so nice to look at. It's so drawn with such uh, uh, verve and clarity. You're very kind. It's not it's not uh, storyboards, by the way. It's all all uh, top down views because mm-hmm. they take less time to draw, but still takes forever. <laughs> but well, it's good. It's good it, to good to have a plan though. Yeah, good I'll, to have I'll, going to it with a plan. You know, I was going to say I was going to say something to young actors too, or just to whoever. Um, you know, you know, Mike in the end is trailing Jimmy up the road. I got to tell you, I've worked with a lot of actors over the years, including myself, I'm sure at times, who don't want to give up their strength, who don't want to defer. And it's important, you know, you, you say, well, it's, that's common sense. Of course, if you're a good actor, you're going to adjust, you're going to do this, you're malleable. It's important to give up your strength sometime and turn it over. And that's what happens in that last scene. Yeah. You still look like a badass. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But, but there's, but there's uh, you, you know, I, I think to add to what you said, which I think is a great thing you just said, in real life people are not always James Bond forever. Even James Bond, you, 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 the best thing about the James Bond movies once Daniel Craig started playing it is James Bond's not even James Bond in every scene because human beings have moments of weakness. In a, in a, you know, in a partnership, one person's the alpha for a while and then something happens and it switches, the other one's the alpha. That's that's more like real life. That's more like real human behavior than No, and than there the are actors scene. that you go out and see right now that I've worked with and nice people, nice people. But I remember saying to one in um in an action sequence, I said, you know, wouldn't it be more interesting if if I got the upper hand here? And he said to me, Oh no no no! My audience wouldn't like that. I yeah. never lose. Yeah. And I thought, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, they're missing something, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that 
that's one of those things that like lower that lowers the stakes. I understand oh. why people would play it, but it lowers the stakes because it means that that character everybody is like, well, he's he's, he's going to win. So there's no stakes to the battle. But, there's no right. the, it's it's already but think about foretold. The, uh, just think about how you're underestimating your audience yes. when you mm-hmm. have that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so oh. true. And it's also it's predictable. The, the, the interesting thing, the fun thing, is when characters surprise us. Oh yeah. And the day that these characters don't surprise us is the day we've gone, we've gone, we've gone on for too long. Yeah. Speaking of surprises, you guys are in for big surprises next week. Oh boy, uh, it's going to be a great one. Thank you guys for making this episode. It's, it's really, it was beautiful. I like Kelly and I both, you know, across uh, in different time zones, watched this episode today, uh, and it, it, I'm still kind of reeling from it. So it's really great work, and and uh, thank you guys for coming in on another rainy Saturday here in Los Angeles. Uh, thank you, Mike Bermatrout. Yeah, you got it, baby. Uh, thank you, Chris Sullivan, for no reason in particular. And uh, uh, and thank you guys for listening a lot. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank and you. Joey, thank you for Joey. And, yeah. and fantastic work. Thank another you another care, notch Joey. on the belt. <laughs> yeah, Joey should throw us out. Yeah. Joey, why don't you take us out with your best... Uh... Come on, brother. Better call Saul. Yay! <laughs> Understated. Very smooth. Bye, Kelly, darling.